good morning. And uh, it's great to be with you. And I always think that intro music kind of belies the the depth and significance of the message that uh, that we have in the Bible and Jesus' teaching in chapter 5. It kind of lulls us into a sense of false security that it's going to be lovely and wonderful, opposed to challenging and helping us to live a life a bit more closer to Christ. How about we just start with a word of prayer? Grace, loving God, we just give you thanks that we can come into this space, this church, whether it's here in person, whether it is online, whether it is here and now or it is being caught up. Lord, I ask that you work through your word here. You work through your worship here. You work through the words that I bring today. May they be your words to guide, to challenge, to convert, to bring people closer to your love. Oh Lord, may your Holy Spirit be upon us now. May your Holy Spirit open our hearts and our minds to your word, your will, your guidance. I pray this in your holy name. Amen. So this is uh, the last in our little mini-series on teachings, looking at uh, Matthew chapter 5. And in this we've been exploring what Jesus has been teaching in what's known as the Sermon on the Mount, where he um, gives teaching on what is the beatitude or the, the blessings of God to be blessed and also at looking at salt and light last week. And this week we're going to tackle the last section. I'm not going to look at all of the various bits and pieces that Jesus is teaching. I'm going to give, give us a bit of an overview. I'm going to give, give us a little bit of a foundation for one of the reasons why Jesus is teaching his disciples, teaching the crowd. But before I go too far into that, I want to ask you this question. I want to get you thinking about this. Um, have you ever chatted with somebody? Have you ever been speaking with somebody? And they happen to mention an idea or they repeat some information that you know is incorrect. Has anybody ever had that experience? Yeah, there's a few people going, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they may have taken on board some kind of conspiracy theory. They may be saying something is the truth. Have you ever just wanted to tell that person the right information? Have you ever wanted them just to go, oh, isn't that wonderful? I'm glad you just brought that wonderful information that is I now know is correct, and they start believing. Have you ever had that experience? The answer is probably no, because they've got an idea and you have a different idea. And how do you help people see the truth? How do you help people change their minds? How do you help people change their behaviour? How do they move from life-defeating way of living to life-giving way of living? So what does it take to actually change somebody's mind? What does it take to, to take somebody from not believing the truth to believing the truth? 
It was interesting. I did a little bit of research on this and I was just reading through an article in Psychology Today about how to change people's minds. And, and one of the takeaway messages they had there is that it actually depends on the person you're talking to. It depends. And you can't force somebody to change their minds. They have to come to the point of having their mind change themselves. You can't just smack down information and expect that person to go, ah, that's fantastic, I've changed my mind. There are two kinds of people when you're thinking about this, this article is saying. There's the person that has not thought particularly deeply about their point of view, their idea. They're just going on with the flow and, and just following along. Now, that person is reasonably easy to change their mind because you can educate them, you can give some information, you can show them some evidence and they will start to change their mind because they haven't thought deeply about it. Then there are those people who have thought deeply about their point of view, their idea, even though it might be a, bit, a little bit um, not true or, mis or skewed. And when somebody holds a false idea and yet has thought about the information that's led to that, led to that idea, it is much harder for them to change because even though they've... they've Thought it, they've thought about it, they've seen the information, they've drawn a wrong conclusion. It's harder for that person to change their mind. But here's the thing. The firstly, in order to help somebody change their mind and subsequently then change their behaviour, because behaviour follows what we think, what we believe. And if we want to live a life closer to Christ, we have to start understanding Christ. We have to start thinking about what Christ has called us to do and change. And our behaviour will follow what our, where our mind's going. So in order for us to change our behaviour, to change our thinking, you first need to focus on not the misinformation but the position or the position they hold. You, you need to focus on the idea, the concept, the truth behind it all. You don't focus on the misinformation and going and tell them you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. You focus on the truth and the conclusion from that truth. And secondly, you start to explain why that truth leads to this conclusion, why that evidence leads you to your position. It was actually really interesting because as I was like reading through Matthew chapter 5 again, preparing back for this message, and, and, and reading through this, I was going, it struck me that Jesus was teaching the crowd and teaching the disciples to change some erroneous thinking, to change some erroneous behaviour. Jesus was teaching them to see what God sees, to see how God sees the world and to do what God wants us to do, not what people have interpreted and put their own interpretation upon. So let's actually have a look at some of this teaching. We're going to start by having a look at Matthew chapter 5 and we're going to start in verse 17. And we're just going to take a, a little bit of time and just go through this because it, Jesus had just done the whole thing about... Um, teaching about God's blessing and who God blesses. Then he teaches about 
not hiding ourselves away, not deluding ourselves with the world's thinking and the world's behaviour, but to draw us closer to God's behaviour, God's pattern, not to let our light of God fade away, be diminished in the world, but to let it shine out. And then he comes into some more serious thinking about things. And here it has, and we'll put it up on the screen for you as well. It says, don't misunderstand why I have come. So, so, people, so suddenly he's going, okay, here's some things. People have got some ideas about why the Messiah is here, why Jesus is here. He says, don't misunderstand why I've come. I do not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I come to accomplish their purpose. I love this. He's come to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, even heaven and earth disappear. Not even the smallest details of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. Okay, so he's going, I've come to fulfil God's purpose and God's law is already there for you. But you have been interpreting it in a particular way that is drawn to particular patterns of behaviour, drawn to particular ways of thinking that are erroneous. And I want to help you here. So if you ignore the least commandments and teach each other to do the same, You'll be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Notice that. So if if you say, well, actually, don't 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 live by this bit. Don't live by God's commands. Don't live by these things. Just ignore this bit. Or actually, I'm going to put more information on one part above another. Then we're actually not doing what God wants. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness, that's your behaviour, the way you live, not just the words you do, but the way you live according to God's commands, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious laws and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So he's actually going, you know, that the whole thinking of their, their pattern of behaviour, the way they were doing, the thoughts they had was going to lead them because they were chosen ones, they were the teachers, they, they'd interpreted the scriptures that they had, which is the Old Testament that we have there about God. And, and, and Jesus is going, unless your righteousness, unless your behaviour, unless your thinking your te- is above that, is greater than those who are the religious law, teachers of religious laws and the Pharisees, excuse me, you'll actually never enter the kingdom of heaven. Pretty tough stuff already. And then he moves on. And I love how Jesus does this. You have heard. So this is how he starts to challenge. Challenge erroneous thinking, challenge erroneous behaviour and helping us to think about the way that we should behave. You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you even uh, are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. Or if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. Notice this is taking what people have thought, their behaviours and 
showing that there's even more there, teaching that there's even more there and our patterns of behaviours, the way we behave, the words that we say, the things that we do actually have implications for us. So we need to step up. If you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar of God, so here's, here's, here's where he's saying, if you're coming before the Lord in the system that they knew, the temple worship, if you're coming before the Lord and you're wanting to offer a sacrifice for forgiveness of sins, instead of just going there and, and offering that, he says what you need to do, if you are presenting as a sacrifice at the altar of the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Notice that he's actually saying it's, it's actually just the thoughts and the behaviours and the relationships that you have that will mean so much. It's not the fact of sacrificing, it's what we do. And when you are on the way to court with your adversary, so here's another one, when you're on your way to the court with your adversary, settle your difference quickly, otherwise your accuser may hand you over to the judge and you will, who will hand you over to an officer and you'll be thrown in prison and if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you've paid the last pennies. So, so he's actually saying what you need to do is set yourself right. It's not about the rules, the regulations, holding it to the law, letter of the law that's there. Jesus is coming to fulfil that. You fill those out, live that the law, but go above and beyond with all your patterns of behaviour. Don't find the loopholes. See, the thing was, in that time when Jesus was there, we offered the, the Pharisees, the teachers of the religious laws, the Sadducees, all these, all these different people had kind of loopholes they had. You know, they would define whether you could do work on, on the Sabbath and they would define whether work was a particular thing or not a particular thing. And, and that fine definition allowed them to help. So when Jesus got himself into trouble with the religious leaders when he was helping somebody by, on, you know, healing somebody on the Sabbath and Jesus acute and then come back, which, which, is, which is more against the law to, to lift an animal that's stuck in a ditch, which is apparently not work. So if you've got a, if you've got a, a you know, a, a donkey, a goat or a cow and it falls into the ditch and is struggling, you can actually get it out. That's not work. But if you happen to then help somebody, heal them, guess what that is? That's work. So they had these little nuances and things and Jesus is actually going, it's not about the nuances, it's not about the finding the ways around stuff. It's about taking what the law is and lifting it up to what it's meant to be. And so Jesus goes on and teaches about the anger, the way that we're meant to have. And just thinking about the anger, you know, it's, you shall not kill, but it's actually going, well, if you're starting to contemplate bad things for that person, you're starting to think bad things about that person and getting angry with them and in, in your heart, you're sin. You may not carry it out, but in your heart you're sinning. Jesus is going, that's the thing you need to change. That's the thing, the thoughts the that leads to your behaviour needs to change. Set that right. So here's the thing. Jesus, 
just did a whole lot of teaching in there. He, he was teaching about, you know, law. He was teaching about anger. He was teaching about adultery. He was teaching about divorce. He was teaching about how we make vows or oaths. And he was talking about how we take revenge. And he's actually trying to correct all of these patterns of behaviours, all of these teachings about correcting the patterns of behaviour. But what Jesus didn't want this crowd to do, what he didn't want the disciples to do, was just to listen to him and go, oh, that's really interesting. Have you ever, ever listened to somebody for a while, giving a bit of teaching, giving an idea about how to live life or how to change your life or whatever it might be? And you go, that's interesting. And then when you've walked out of the room, when you've stopped whatever you might, it might have been a podcast, it might have been a you know, TED Talk or anything like that, it might have even been a preacher at the front and you've gone, oh, that's a really good point. You walk out the door, you go into your life and it suddenly becomes just that piece of information that rattles around in the back of your head and slowly fades away and nothing has changed in your life. Jesus is wanting us to actually change our behaviour, change our thinking, which leads to change of behaviour. Jesus doesn't just want the people, the crowd, the disciples to listen to him and go, that's a good point. He wants them to change their lives, to change our behaviour. It's actually, here's a little interesting side note for you. Some of, the, some of the most classic sermons, most influential preaching that has been around has, has always been about what God wants us to do, what God has done for us. And that generally takes up about 10, 20% of the message. The other 80% of the message is actually talking about our need for change, our need to repent, our need to change our ways, our behaviour. See, we need to know for us in order to change our lives, not only do we need to hear the information, we need to understand what we are doing now is wrong, that we are sinning, that we're not living according to what God wants us to do. See, the teaching in Matthew chapter 5 by Jesus in here is showing us what we need to do to come back to the truth and the life of God's love for our life. To love our God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul and to love our neighbour as ourselves means that we need to change our behaviours. We can't be hiding behind little nuances and tricks to get around the letter of the Lord. Jesus hasn't come to abolish it but to fulfil it, to flesh it out, to become real in our lives. See, to change, to move, means that we need to and, and the people needed to move from a point of thinking about an eye for an eye to love that knows no bounds. If we're, not, if we're going to hear God's gracious, loving message to us about how God has sacrificed his own son for the forgiveness of our sins, love that knows no bounds, then we actually need to understand that we can't be holding on to the old notion 
of tit for tat. We need to realise that forgiveness and grace exists. We need to realise that what Jesus is teaching is this is a foretaste of the kingdom of heaven, this behaviour that we're meant to have. And verses 43 to 48 of chapter 5, the very last section of, of chapter 5 in this section of teaching. Jesus does a lot of teaching, but we're only just looking at, in chapter 5 at the moment. It goes into here. And it says, you have heard the law. Notice this, he's using the information. You've heard the law, love your neighbour and hate your enemies. But I say, love your enemies. So he's doing a change. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both evil and good. So do you remember that first week that I was teaching about the blessings, about the Beatitudes, about how God changes the notion or how people think about blessing? See, people thought that if you had a good life, you were rich, you were successful, God was blessing you. God is actually saying God is blessing you regardless of what is happening in your life. Here we're seeing Jesus saying something very, very similar. For that he gives his sunlight to both good and evil and sends rains on the just and the unjust alike. So no, it's not about preferential, you know, a bit going to win and not going there. He's actually saying that what God is doing is providing love and blessing upon all because God actually wants everybody to come back to him. If you only love, it goes on, if you only love those that love you, what reward is there, is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If, you, if you're only kind to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as my Father in heaven is perfect. So Jesus is teaching here that we need to change our behaviour. We need to change the way we think. So we need to change some of the central aspects of, of quick reactions. Have you ever noticed that we, when we don't stop, and think about what we're doing. We often do really quick reactions to, to situations in front of us. And often at times they are negative. They, they, you know, the negative response comes out so quickly. The anger wells up so quickly. So I want to I I just suggest to you that when you are starting to feel angry, when you're starting to want to smack down somebody, stop and pause for a moment and actually ask, if God has loved me, even all the things I've done, if God loves me and forgives me, can't I forgive the person that I'm about to just blow my stack at? Can't I change what I'm going to respond to? It's a, it's a challenge for us. It's a challenge for us on our behaviour, on the way we start thinking, on the way we start behaving. Jesus is there teaching so that people may correct their ideas that they had and the erroneous ones that have started to creep in. 
And today we have the same thing. We, we start to let erroneous outside influences start to affect the way we think about God, the way we kind of understand life, the way we understand forgiveness, the way we understand grace. God wants us to love, to express that love to the world around us. So may our lives reflect the teaching of Jesus about how we go above and beyond. May our lives reflect the love of God. May our lives look and act as though Christ is working through us. Let us just pray together. A loving, gracious God, you always challenge us. You know, whenever we read your holy word found in the Bible, there is something that comes up and challenges our lives, challenges our perspective, challenges the way we think. And, Lord, it also helps us in the way we should behave. Lord, today, if if we're starting to think erroneous things, starting to think false things about your love, about your grace, about your divinity, Lord, challenge that right now. Give us evidence to see your love, your grace, your truth in our lives. Give us the will to see your love in action. Give us the grace so forgive those who are doing things that we are not happy with and help us to love our enemies. Lord, may we offer love and grace to those around us, in our family, in our work, in our neighbourhood, within our community and in the world, may we do more. May our lives be changed. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen.